as you all know, our series is God's Story, Many Stories. And today we've done something different. We haven't got a, a speaker come to preach, but we have asked people to come and share some stories. So we have Claire, we have Iona, and Dave. Uh, if anyone else is sitting there thinking, I have a story, then just come and whisper in my ear and we will get you on. Okay, so Claire. As you know, there's a few of us that go out on a regular basis to pray for people or to offer prayer to people. And our hearts for that is that we want to demonstrate the love of Jesus to them and to help them know that they're not on their own. Um, And there is a need out there. So this week, I went out with a lady I hadn't met before from a, a, a... uh, church of England church in Overton and she was lovely and you know we got to know each other a little bit but we were out there for purpose and before we went I prayed and this bit is a reminder to all of us that we all hear from God we just have to ask so I prayed before I went out and I won't share the picture with you I'll just share the my interpretation of it Basically, God showed me that somebody that we would meet that day was going to feel overwhelmed and that they would feel as though they were almost being pressed from every side and they would feel very alone in that. And it seems to be that part of this mission field for me is a particular bench. So I seem to find that whenever I go out, there's somebody on this bench that God wants me to talk to. He's already prepared them and had them sitting in that seat waiting. So, and it's, it's not actually on the path. You have to actually divert from the path to get to this particular bench. So there was a lady sitting on the bench all on her own. And it was odd, seeing as we were outside, it was odd to me that as we approached, she put on a face mask. So I thought, okay, we're outside. Maybe she's a vulnerable person. So we kept our distance because we have to respect those people that we're we're meeting. And during this conversation, it became... she, She shared with us that she lived with somebody who was vulnerable and she was struggling with the fact that now all the restrictions have been lifted, that it almost felt as though she couldn't do anything. And she was talking about other vulnerable people, worrying about going to hospitals and things like this, and talking about the government. And and it became clear to me that she felt like she was on a bit of a one-woman mission to save the world. She was feeling the burden of that. And her words were, she felt as though she was swimming against the tide. And what was lovely was that we were able to share with her that this isn't her battle. She is not on her own. That Jesus actually asks us to invite him into our situations and that she doesn't have to be afraid. But also in that acknowledging the fact that she lives with somebody vulnerable and she does feel a sense of responsibility for them. So it just validated, I felt that we were able to validate her, but also encourage her that she wasn't alone in this. 
So that's my story. Um, And I would encourage all of you to be listening in your everyday to what God might be wanting to say to somebody you come across. And you'll be surprised, I'm sure, in how open they are to hearing the message of Jesus. Thank you, Claire. That's wonderful. Iona. She's going to talk about one of my heroines. Um, So since I was about eight or nine years old, I remember hearing about missionaries at school and feeling just super inspired by what they were doing. Um, And as I grew older, I continued to be amazed and inspired by missionaries, whether it's people in the church or just people I read or heard about. But one in particular that really inspired me when I read her book was Heidi Baker, who I'm sure lots of you know. But um, I just want to talk a little bit about her story and why she inspires me. So in 1995, Heidi Baker arrived in Mozambique by herself with no money, no contacts and no plan. But 20 years before this, she had got a word from God to be a missionary and specifically called to Africa. She decided to simply sit on the street and meet the children who were living there. She couldn't communicate with them, so she spent her first six months in the region meeting orphaned and rejected children on the street and learning the local language from them. She was eventually asked by the government to take over their children's centre and ended up taking the children she had met on the street to the children's centre with her, um, looking after them with more love than most of them had ever known. Lots of the children she met had experienced more trauma in their lives than most adults, but she took them in as family would and showed them the restorative love of Jesus. Her work has grown to thousands of children and has spread to much more in the region, but her main focus remains on loving and sharing God with the children of Mozambique. Um, Heidi started her organisation Iris with no money um, and has had to put her faith entirely in God to provide for her and the hundreds or thousands of children she's looking after. And one story in her book that I find incredible was when she had to move from the centre they were at to um, an office because they were after her, basically. And she took the children with her and she didn't have anything. She had 50 children that she had to feed. And um, someone came around with enough food for her, like, biological family of four. um, And she just decided that she would pray for a miracle and bless the food. And that food fed all 50 of the children and there was leftovers. So it's really inspiring how much she always put in her faith in God that he would provide for her. Um, Heidi has a vision for Iris to care for a million children. And as an organisation, they run schools and mission opportunities for people all over the world to go to and kind of work alongside Heidi and all that she's doing there. And as a result, people have been so inspired by her that they've gone to all different corners of the world to do the same kind of thing in different places. Um, And they reckon there is a chance that, in a roundabout way, she has helped more than a million children in the world. Um, Heidi's mission was simply to love every person she encountered while working in Mozambique, and she made everyone feel like they were part of her family. She took children who endured horrors most will never see, but believed wholeheartedly that God's supernatural love would wash away all the trauma and all the troubles. In her mission statement, it included Matthew 24.40, Uh, The king replied, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. And Heidi definitely lives this verse out, looking after and loving unconditionally some of the most vulnerable people in the world. And this kind of really inspires me because it doesn't have to be where she is. It doesn't have to be in Mozambique. It can just be anywhere in the world. And I just love how she has dedicated her whole life and everything she is, all of her money, everything, to serving God because that's what he chose her to do.
Thank you, Iona. Amazing, amazing woman. One of Nathan's friends actually went out and worked with her. And the story she came back with. Uh, Dave. Hi, everyone. Um, I might get emotional telling you this. And I, yes. I, well, I suppose making myself vulnerable. One or two of you know this tale already. Uh, 2023 has not been a wonderful year for me. Um, and following Mandy's death, there were all sorts of issues to be sorted out and so on. I was left wondering, what on earth am I going to do going forward? Because we were a team. We did things a lot together. Um, now, you know, Glastonbury on TV, hey, so, you know, I didn't watch every concert, but I, Elton John was doing his last concert in the UK at Glastonbury, and I thought, you know, I'm going to watch it because he's got a great band. I don't agree with his lifestyle choices, but he's been a wonderful musician, and he's stuck with his same band for over 20 years. You think at least he's loyal to them, you know. And so I thought, yeah, I'll sit down and watch this. It's popcorn TV, as I would call it. You know, you just sit there. Yeah, it, it's on, so I'll watch it. And it got to the point quite like, a fair way into the set. He did your song. And it got to the line which said, how wonderful life is since you're in the world. And I have to say, and I apologize in advance for this, I lost it. I turned the TV off and I ranted and I raved. I was calling God all sorts of names. How dare he? How dare he? Why her? Not me. You know, I couldn't understand the logic. What on earth did he think he was doing? Did he know what he was doing? I was so angry. I mean, the neighbours must have thought I was bonkers. Shouting and screaming at the top of my voice. And it went on for some time. I'm not proud of that time. I probably used words that I shouldn't have used, but, you know, I, I just lost it. I was so, I was bereft, I was, oh, and the, you know, the, the louder I shouted, the more guilty I felt, and the more angry I got, and just a vicious circle. And in the end, I thought, I did slop, I, I sort of stopped, and thought, you know what, I need to go to bed. And I did, I went up there, and I just sort of realised, lying there thinking, you know what, Lord, I'm really sorry about that. I, um, I shouldn't have done that. I know you're God, but I just need to get some answers. Now, I didn't have a very good experience of earthly fathers, so what I was expecting at this point was a huge rebuke. You know? And then it came to me. And what he said to me in those quiet moments, and I, it's such a personal moment, I still think of it as being... Of, you know, for this year, it's probably a highlight of the year. He came to me in those moments and said, my son, you've been really honest. He said, I love honesty. And in your anger and your anguish, I've heard you. And he said, I desire honesty for the relationship to be real. He said, personally, and we sang it earlier, didn't we? Your ways, uh, my ways are not your ways. That's what he said to me. He said, my ways are not your ways. Your wife, Mandy, is safe with me, and it's where I've wanted her to be. Uh, he said, 
As for you, I have plans for you, but not now. In my time, be patient. And then he said, I know how you feel to some extent, because I, don't forget, my son died. I felt that anguish too. But he said, uh, I will be faithful to you. And the words that came to me, Eric mentioned numbers earlier on, the words that came to me were from numbers, you know, that the everlasting arms were, were beneath, underneath all are God's everlasting arms. And he said, I, I understand. And yet that was so important to me. I understand. In the stillness now of the night, no more shouting. It was quite late. And he just said, peace be to you. I want you to sleep. And I just said, okay, Lord, thank you. And, you know, I slept for 10 hours solid. Now, like, almost, you know, like, like most older men, normally I have to get up in the night at least once. So for me to sleep 10 hours in one stretch, absolutely, you know, dream-free, absolute so I really needed that. But the sense that God had, he was right there with me. So sometimes it feels a bit remote, and we think we're making ourselves remote. But he'd also reminded me of the psalmist, David. If you read some of his, he rants and raves, and then comes to the realization that you are God, and you've blessed me, and so on. And God called David... You know, a man after his own heart, despite the rants and the raves and all the rest of it. I felt so close to God in that moment. I think that's probably one of the closest, most wonderful experiences I've had. And it started off with me being angry and honest with God. So we need to be honest, don't we, with our Father? Let's not pretend about things, that everything's all right. Let's put on the honest face and be honest with him as well. Anyway, I encourage all of you, just be open to him. Thank you, Dave. Wow. It's been a good afternoon. We are blessed. I encourage you to think, what are you going to do with your Tuesday evenings in the new year? Are you going to get deeper into the Bible? Are you going to bring a colleague or a friend or a family member to Alpha? Or are you going to allow God to bring healing and renewal into areas of your life that you might have been burying in the sand? I encourage you to, in your times with God, dance in the fountains. Enjoy his love and his faithfulness and joy, his goodness. To remember the lion is on his throne when you're watching the news. To not despair, but take on that garment of praise and proclaim the goodness of our God over this world. To 
look for opportunities, whether it's on a bench or anywhere else, where God might want to be using you. To dwell on inspiring stories of people that have gone before us or alongside us who remind us that the miracles of the Bible are still going on now. And to be honest with our Father who can deal with it and then we'll give you rest.